minus 10 seconds. Get ready. Ready. For the hottest new podcast in the world. From WWE to TNA. By way of the NWA. It's time for Reffing It Up with current impact referee Brian Hepner. An all new episode starts in. This. This. Is Reffing It Up. Welcome to episode six of Reffing It Up with Brian Hebner. I am the man with the magical voice, RJ. He is and forever will be the man of the stripes. A very tired Brian Hebner. Brian, you're running on no fumes, huh? Yeah, I don't want to be a baby, but uh, this was <laughs> a heck of a travel day. Uh, finished up in Poughkeepsie, New York and uh, did the uh, pay-per-view, which you were yeah. at as well uh you and your son gavin which uh, was also pretty cool and fun um and uh my day started today uh at 4 30 in the morning uh, which really started before that because i really just pulled an all-nighter because after the tapings were over there wasn't much time to lay down for like an hour or two so that didn't sure. make much sense yeah. uh, so i stayed up uh daniel spencer stayed up with me as well that was helped out uh we had a couple of the french announced team members that stayed up with us a little bit yeah. Um, and then I caught my flight to LaGuardia, uh, and then now I am here, and I'm ready to roll with little fumes. Little, little, little to know. Well, you got a couple. Hopefully, it'll last at least an hour. Let's hope. And if not, then uh, those Miller lights will help it through the way. Yeah, but, uh, but no, yeah, great show, great show. If you guys, like I said, I keep saying it to a lot of people. I said it. I talked to friends of. Uh, Friends here, uh, Tommy Dreamer and uh, Dave LaGreca on Busted Open this morning. I said, if you guys are sleeping on Impact Wrestling, shame on you. But, yeah, I agree. Uh, but anyways, we're here, this episode, episode six, to talk about Latino Heat, Eddie Guerrero, a guy that uh, you have uh, a lot of history with. And, uh, and uh, man, I just, this is one of the, when I made out the schedule, before we started doing the show, I said this, I said to myself anyways, and this is going to be one of the shows I really am looking forward to because I followed him all the way from uh, uh, some of his stuff in ECW to WCW to WWE uh, and uh, right, right until the end. But yeah, it's this week we're talking Eddie Guerrero. When, uh, when was the first time that you really became accustomed to him? When did you really start following him? Was it, did you go all the way back to like the Mexico Japan days or was it really when you started his American uh, run? Well, I, I started following Eddie, not met him, but knowing him like through what his work was actually just in WCW. Um, sure. That's where I, that's where I really picked up on who Eddie was and what Eddie was about. So I would, you know, that would be it. I, I didn't see any of the ECW stuff um, or the, you know, the stuff prior to that. I didn't see that either, but I will say this being on low fumes, this is probably one of the best episodes I can do because if Eddie Guerrero can't give me some fumes, uh, nobody will. That's <laughs> exactly. And it's just, I keep on watching the match. We're going to be going over in a little bit is the match that you're involved with. Obviously was him winning the WWE heavyweight title for the first time uh, against Brock Lesnar there in 2004, no way out. Um, a match that I, I highly suggest all of you watch if you haven't seen it. Um, for those of you that are, too young to remember that or weren't even born then that's possible too brian because some of our listeners aren't uh you know wily veterans like yourself and i Uh, 
<laughs> we'll, we'll go with that. But uh, yeah, 2004. But yeah, it's he was just one of those guys that reinvented himself time and time again. Like you said, from WCW all the way up to WWE. Um, but did you? When he got to WWE, he was it was about two. He came, he jumped over about 2000, 2000, or right before they WCW got bought out. He came over with that the radicals they they called them. Yes. Yep. With Benoit, Malenko, um, Saturn. Did you? How impactful? We did you think that that group as that group? Because you were because you were there at that time, right? You were there. Yes. You're fairly early in there. Yeah. Uh, how impactful do you think that group of guys were? Because those are legitimately some of the best workers of all time. Yeah, I was actually pretty stoked that uh, WWE was able to get them. Um, and I remember their first appearance. That, that And I wasn't there because it was on Raw. Sure. Um, but they were in the front row. And I, I wasn't privy to that, you know, happening. So, um, so yeah, so once, once I saw that, I was like, wow, this is awesome. And, and I was fans of all of them. Um, so that made it pretty cool too. And something else that was really cool that uh, happened this weekend uh, while I was in Poughkeepsie, New York, and this is crazy. We're actually doing this episode as this happened. This is something I didn't even talk to you about because I wanted to save it and not sure. talk about it. But um, we've talked previously on our other shows, how our other podcasts that we've done uh, where you kind of blank out with what you've done and all that kind of thing. And then you, you, you go to an arena and you all of a sudden remember all these memories. Mm-hmm. Well, Poughkeepsie, New York had a special memory for me um, in that same building with Eddie Guerrero, which was really crazy. Um, I walked in that room and everything just to like feel it. But um, it was when uh, we were doing on SmackDown, Chavo and Eddie uh, had a big, long program. And you'll probably remember the people that are listening don't remember. it. You can go back and look. But uh, it was a long program with with Team Angle, which was uh, Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin. Well, we had just started putting on our matches and whatnot on house shows to build to the pay-per-view. Um, it was a two-month build-up with these guys. And I, I'm, I'm not going to hurt anybody's feelings when I say this, because if Jimmy Corderas were to listen to this, he would 100% agree. Nobody was standing in line to get this match. That's, that's for sure. Um, and the reason for that is because Eddie, at that point in time, was very demanding and really wanted what he wanted to get and what basically was put in control of making these angle boys at the time who were young mm-hmm. um newer talent in WWE at that time because they came from ovw um to look good to, uh, to to really look good so he he wore that um and he took it very very serious which 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 made it you know much more harder for him to actually enjoy himself and be the eddie character so anyway long story short we were in Poughkeepsie this weekend, and in that particular room, I, I'll never forget, um, we had had a match, and it wasn't the way that Eddie wanted it, and he was very, very angry, very angry, and we had already done subsequent matches between that one and the one we were at in Poughkeepsie, so he brings everyone into this one particular room, which was the dressing room that we used at this weekend for management. Um, and on our social media people and all that stuff, which was a room that I was looking to dress in, to be honest with you, because that's where I dressed before. Uh, so that was a, uh-uh, didn't get that room. <laughs> so I walked in that room, though, because I didn't care who was in it. I just wanted to walk in there and revisit this this, this feelings of, of emotions that I had. 
And when I went to that room, it immediately hit me. And um, I just remember he literally called us in that room. All wrestlers, all talent, all divas, all everyone left. Agents. The only people left in that building was us four and me. So them four and me. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Uh, And security. We had our own security team and our security had to wait until everybody left the building. So they had to wait for us. Well, he ended up dog cussing all of us. Uh, he flipped over two or three tables. He just was very, 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 very passionate about the mistakes that we were making. Um, and no one said a word. It was just Eddie talking. And I don't know, I guess he got tired of himself talking after a while and then let us voice our own opinions. But the the point of the story was that Eddie was just a passionate guy. And, and, and this is just one example and small example of the passion that he had to show how much he believed in what he could do and what he, he, he did. So that's just a small example. And I just remember that working this particular tag is what made me be a very good referee at tag team wrestling, because he taught me so much. Uh, we are, we were able to come up with our own spots uh, where he would, would there's tag ropes that you had to hold in order to make a legal tag attack which those days are gone, which Impact Wrestling does try to enforce, which is great uh, because it's such a good tool for referees and wrestlers for heat, for cues, for a lot of different reasons. Um, So he would just keep going down the ring and I would just keep getting up. Eddie, get over here and grab your rope, grab your rope. So finally on a house show, he got cute and he decided to undo the rope and put it on to where he could slide it down all the way. And I would get up after four or five times and be like, Damn it, Eddie, I keep telling you to get over in your corner and get the rope. He goes, I got the rope. And he's standing in the middle of the the ring. (laughs) And he's like, I've got the rope. And I'm like, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. So I go to grab the rope and pull it back. And we're having like this tug of war back and forth, back and forth. Finally, I just take take a little bump because I lose grip of the rope. And then that's when they get their heat spot. It was just classic. And, of course, the people pop because they were the baby faces. Yeah. And we did that all over the place. It was just such a great spot. And me and him just came up with it. We call it the rope spot. That was what we called it. Yeah. And I said, Eddie, we can do the rope spot. Yeah, I'm going to feel it. I'm going to feel it. Uh, let me let me, let me, me see what we have here tonight. And I was like, okay. Well, he ended up doing it every night because it just yeah. got over. Right. So there was no particular night. I knew, didn't think he was not going to do it. So, yeah. that I mean, that's just the cool things about Eddie, man. I mean, it's just uh, really, really cool. Was that and that's spot what Poughkeepsie the, did. Yeah. Now, was that um, that rope spot, was that all at just house shows? Or do you, do it on, do you guys do it on TV, too? No, we did it on TV one time. We did. And he wanted to make it a special time. And it was sure. with them. Yeah. Um, and it was a pay-per-view. I don't sure. remember which one. Um, it could be the one we're about to talk about. I just don't remember. Um, but yeah, so we used it one time on TV, but we used it everywhere previous. Like it was just it was just one of those spots that explaining it and listening to it is not the same as seeing it because it's just it, it was hilarious. It was really hilarious. I did a great job of selling him, keeping coming down the, the apron. He did a great job of getting mad and frustrated with me, asking me to leave him alone. And then finally, he's just like, you know what? Screw it. And his, you know, his angry Mexican self, he would just grab the rope, undo it, untie it, tie it to where the thing would slide all the way down wherever he wanted to go. Sure. And he would hide it behind the rope. So when I would look over at him, I didn't see it. And all of a sudden, he would argue, argue, argue. And he'd, he'd go, I've got the rope, damn it. Look at the rope. I've got the rope, damn it. And he would just get so mad. And I was like, no, you can't have it there. Yeah. It was just great. It was just great. So does 2003 backlash sound familiar? Yeah. Okay. Because it was team angle, Benjamin and Haas first defeating Los Guerreros, Eddie and Chavo for the tag or 
Team Angle were the tag champs. It actually it opened the show. Okay, uh, fifth, I'm pretty sure that's it. Yeah, because it, that's because their feud was pretty much. This was April of '03, and they pretty much. I looked it up while you were telling the story. Not that I was still paying attention, of course, but I'm sure um, you were. <laughs> so their their feud was pretty much early 2003 for pretty much four months, man. Because I think yeah. this was a blow off right here. It was a tag the tag team match, and then uh, because they had quite a few matches uh, throughout uh, early 2003, January and February, and then just culminated here in the spring. Um, and then obviously he a year year later it would be. Um, what we'd be talking about later but yeah it's just with eddie was he more you said he was very passionate obviously it's in his blood his father gory just legends absolute legends in 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 mexico in texas and el paso uh was he as more passionate in the tag team matches with Chavo or was he more passionate with his like his single matches like we'll be talking about here with lesnar or was it just in, in general? I, I just think in general. I just think that, um, you know, and I really knew he had a lot of pride with Chavo, too, because, you know, Chavo was always un, un, under underlooked, I guess would be the word, sure. comparative to Eddie, because Eddie was just so so much more over. And I'm, and I'm not saying any disrespect to Chavo, because Chavo was over as well. Don't get me wrong. That team was freaking over like Rover. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, Eddie was the bigger star. Uh, okay. You know, this, you know, that's what I'm saying. And, um but he cared about Chavo. He wanted to give Chavo that rub, mm-hmm. uh, which he did. Um, there were spots that he put in those tags that that was just Chavo eating people up and looking like the million dollar guy. That you know what I mean? So sure. yeah, so I think he took pride in that too. He wanted to look out for you know his family, Chavo. So that passion didn't stop there though. In singles, he did the same thing. So for himself, and sometimes he was a little too gimme, in my opinion. But he he was. He, I really don't know of many wrestlers that were more passionate than he was about. The the, the the art of professional wrestling i really don't sure. yeah well like you say when you're you're born and pretty much born into the business as i'm sure you can relate with your dad is it's all you know you know it and it's it's each and every time okay what are we watching it's like and, and not to compare by any means but literally i'll watch wrestling every day i get home it's on whether we're doing, I'm doing research for this show, for the other show, or I'm just watching it in general. Gavin's sitting there right next to me. And right. legitimately, he, to bring it back to, to Poughkeepsie, he did not sit down for one bit. He's running up to the to the guardrail with these matches. And, you know, he, he was able to, you know, slap Saban on the back and say good job and all that. So he, absolutely loving it. But it's just that passionate that you get at a young age. That's where I'm kind of a roundabout way where you get that passion for this business or anything in general at that young age, it's born into you. Yeah. Uh, now you, you mentioned that story with Pickett and Poughkeepsie with Eddie, you have any other famous backstage stories of just going over stuff with him or just kind of, I I'm sure Eddie liked to play ribs. I'm sure backstage. Oh, Eddie was a very, very comical guy. I love to be um, really funny. I mean, uh, I have, <laughs> I have a story that I cannot tell. That's a, a, a <laughs> locker, that's a locker room story that he used to do. It was uh, very very comical. If it wasn't so R rated for an audience to hear, it would it would it would really make you laugh. Um, but 
it was just something that locker room stuff that some of the guys do that, you know, guys do, I don't know. But, uh, but no, he was a very comical guy, very funny. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Just a, just a fun guy to be around. Um, but he was, a, you know, he went through stages where he was like very moody. He wouldn't be the same Eddie as he was the day before. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was what was so kind of like a little scary about him. You know what I mean? But he was always so nice to me. And um, he, he, me and him rode together for a short period of time. And I don't remember why. Um, I really don't. I just know that Eddie really came uh, to me and just uh, kind of embraced me. Um, mm-hmm. Really loved my work. Really loved working with me. Um, and I'm yeah. so blessed with that. Yeah. But uh, he would drop me off at like places and you, you okay? You need to ride back? And I'm like, no, I've got to ride. JBL is going to be here. He'll, he'll carry me home. You know, whatever it may be. Um, he, that was when he wasn't like really going out and partying and stuff like that. But he would take me to the party. You know what I mean? So, right, right, right. But he was just, he, he was just a fun, fun guy. I mean, and, and I'm Jay right now. There's, there's people every day that think about Eddie Guerrero and the things that he, you know, left here for everybody. So, just a special guy. Um, feel bad the way things ended for him. Obviously, it, it was very, very emotional for me, too. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, you know, it was emotional for a lot of people. It really was because Eddie was a huge loss to the rest of the world. But he was really a lot of everything. He was he was a charismatic. Uh, what's the word? What's the word I'm looking for? You charismatic. I can't even say it. No, you got me going. Charismatic. Shoot. Yeah. Charismatic. That that too, okay. Whatever. I'm tired. Oh, oh, I'm you, you, you know, yeah, I'm tired. Yeah, we're all tired. I think at this point, but no, I I know what you meant. Uh, but yeah, charismatic, just, charismatic, charismatic. Uh, happy, there you go. <laughs> happy, lucky, go, just uh, balls to the wall kind of guy. Sure. Um, but then he could also be that moody, get away from me guy. I'm not in the mood today. You know, tired, beat up from the road. I get it. But overall, the guy was a good guy. He would do anything for anybody. I uh, was really big into God, which was great. Um, so, hey, uh, there's nothing bad I can say about Eddie. Not one bad thing, except I just would stay away when I knew. <laughs> yeah. well, I, it, it's just unreal because you know, I, I still remember to this day when I when I found out. Because uh, yeah, I was 2005. I was just out of, I was still, actually, I was still in school. I haven't graduated. I didn't graduate college yet. I was in, uh, I was last year of college. And I'm like, oh shit, this is gonna be bad. It's bad because I watched him for years in WCW, just like you. Yeah. And it just th- this was the first guy that really, that wrestler that really had passed that I really got emotional over. And it's just, there's only been a few of them really between Eddie and when uh, uh, Brody uh, uh, Brody passed the, two years ago. Yeah. And it's just when you grow up watching these guys and meet these guys, you know, it's so, uh, you know, humbling, but yeah, I just can't believe it. 17 years, man. Now, because were you, I'm trying to remember he was on SmackDown in 05, right? He was yes. just, yeah. Okay. He was, that's the day he was, we, we, we couldn't find him. Yeah. And that was on SmackDown. Right. Now it was cause Rumi Ninuendo had it he was in line to win the title again. Is that, is there any truth to that? Well, once that again, you, that you know, that you know of anyways, right. Of once again, I, I wasn't part of anything with WWE when it comes to creative or meetings right. or any of that stuff. Um, wasn't privy to all that, but the way they were going with him. Yes. And, um, yeah. and I think he was actually told that. I think he actually told me 
that they were looking to do that. And he, he actually admitted he didn't know if he was ready again. So mm. there's a lot of weight that came in that period of time carrying that belt because what people don't understand is that, you know, we, we, we were a standalone SmackDown show not long. Sure. You know, prior, prior to this, like we were true split. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of pressure to put asses in seats for uh, these champions. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it wasn't easy. No, you know, they've always talked about that SmackDown five, SmackDown six. I can't remember uh, in this era. Cause you had Eddie, you had Benoit, you had angle, you had edge, you had Mysterio. Uh, I think there was another guy in there too. That was just legitimately on always on SmackDown that made that brand Brock. Might have been Brock. No, I don't think it was Brock. Might have been five. I couldn't remember if it was five or six. Might have been like under. No, nah, it wasn't Undertaker. No, it was Undertaker. He was. He never went to Raw. Yeah, it was Undertaker. So it was a SmackDown six. How was Eddie? Pretty much everybody would always talk about the Undertaker being that backstage leader. Did Eddie kind of like take? I don't want to dismiss dismiss him by any means. Because obviously we take her being the ba- the main backstage leader. Did Eddie kind of like adapt that role, or did he just kind of go amongst himself? I would. I, all right. So let me explain it like this. See if this is more understandable. Eddie was never a locker room leader. Sure. But everybody respected Eddie as a locker room leader. If that makes any sense. So like, no, if I, I had an issue, yeah. So if I had an issue or a problem, I had no problem going up to Eddie mm-hmm. and talking to him about it because he was always open ears. Mm-hmm. Um, but Taker was the true locker room legend for SmackDown um, and, 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 and probably Raw if he went there too as well at that point in time. But I mean, he was the true locker room leader. Um, but I, I wouldn't say that Eddie was ever the locker room leader. I don't think he ever wanted to be. That that wasn't that, – Eddie was a particular guy that just kind of wouldn't say was a leader, mm-hmm. um, but he wasn't a follower. He just kind of did his thing and yet everyone followed him if that makes any sense. I know this is kind of confusing sounding, but he wasn't the locker room leader. It'd be like, so he would be like the co-captain. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Like the co-captain, you know, if Taker was off a loop, maybe Eddie would step in and be like, Hey, you know, let's, let's rock the house kind of thing. Get the boys going, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. But, but he wasn't the true, you know, the leader. No. Mm-hmm. Right. No, no, I get you. I mean, yeah, yeah. And it's just like I said, cause you get Taker there. He was always those stories about him being the, the general and what have you, but uh, you know, Eddie, uh, November 13th, 05 passed, but if and it's just been a story for a long time and discussion that I've had too with other people, Eddie, Eddie's still here. You think he'd be running a school? Do you think he'd be a producer somewhere with uh, WWE or any other promotion, really? Because obviously, he'd, he'd be a wealth he, of knowledge, he would still be in the business in some form, absolutely. I don't yeah. know what it would be. Um, well, how old would he be right now? Do you have any idea? Uh, let me Google it. Cause let me see. Cause he was, I think he was, I'm trying to think when he passed, I think he was in his forties. I think he was, was in his forties. So let's see. There's that. Um, not that. If he was in his forties, there were 17 years ago, then it would be obviously a little too old to probably be working. So you'd have to say that he would be an agent. Uh, he would be some kind of a, coach or some yeah. some form of fashion in my opinion that he, he he wouldn't be not in this business though i can tell you that right now he'd be 55 yeah i would think he'd be working i would think but i don't know there are tom brady's in the world so well right exactly do you think uh you think obviously we see a lot of guys now well you know randy orton celebrating 20 years in the business since his debut in wwe 
Yeah. 50, you know, and he's even said he's got another 10 years in him. Who because said that? He's, I'm sorry. Who said that? Randy. In, in oh, a bunch Randy. of interviews. He's like, yeah, I, I feel the way he's like, the, I'm paraphrasing. Of course, I'm not quoting him, but he basically said he's got the way he's feeling, the way he's going. He, I, I, he, he's like, yeah, I got probably got another 10 years in me. I don't know if it was on like the bumper or another podcast or another interview or something, but, um, but yeah, it's just the way that everybody's look at AJ styles, even a guy that you're familiar with too, by from your days in impact. Well, you know, you know what, you know, what's really weird though. All right. So, you know, just, uh, spitting here. Like, so if you compared Randy to AJ, as far as their work from previous years, if you ever watched it, Mm-hmm. I don't remember Randy ever taking crazy sick bumps. No, but he did have that feud there with Foley for a little bit there. And uh, I believe that was about, Oh, Oh four. Okay. I know, so what, I, so, so I remember about, his stuff with them that he'd had a hardcore match that he took some tax. Yeah. 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 So, okay. But, so you're talking about a feud for Randy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm putting, I'm putting Randy over by the way, when I say, sure, 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 sure. I think the guy just knows how to take care of his body. I mean, yeah. I really do. I think he's a smart guy that says when he's going to take something big and when it means something. Otherwise, he's just going to have a hell of a match because he can do that without doing all the crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Now, AJ was fighting uphill because of A, his size, sure. and B, in a smaller promotion. Yeah. So he took so much more abuse on his body. But here's the thing about AJ. And I'm, I'm going to use this word because there's no other word for him. He's in phenomenal shape. He's a phenomenal human being. Yeah. So I don't understand how this guy is still doing what he's doing at the level he's doing it comparative to what Randy's career was. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's just it, it's just crazy to me how AJ, you know, if you go back and watch his earlier TNA days, up until he was gone, this guy took some crazy massive bumps. I'm talking about over the rope, diving, and just, you know, jumping off a ladder, whatever it may be, going through a table. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's not his signature stuff, but he did it. Sure. Uh, I just don't remember Randy doing all that stuff. I, yeah. I really don't. Well, and I think to, I hate to compare and contrast them with obviously because they're two different move sets. But with you comparing, you can compare Randy's move set to to AJ's. Like you said, it's like it's apples and oranges because he was such a based wrestler where he didn't he didn't have to because he did a lot. Honestly, he did a lot of the talking too. And I don't want to say AJ didn't. But right. with Randy, I'm like, he talked more than he wrestled because he could and he was good at it. Yeah, yeah. he made you and, invest in the story in his program. Yeah. And that's the same thing with Hetty. I still remember I was at, I forgot which one, the whole feud with him and the, the, the uh, ladder match for the custody of Dominic. That right. whole feud right. with Ray. And that was just, man, he just, whether he was a healer or a face or whatever, you either hate him and you either hated him or you loved him. There was no in between with Eddie. Well, and here's another thing about Eddie. At that point in time, before the tragic uh, thing happened with him, uh, he was on the road. He reminded me a lot of Kurt Angle, where he was he was banged up man, all the time, yeah. uh, really banged up. And I felt so bad for these guys, like when they went through that stuff, because nobody understands when you're with somebody all like more than you're with your family, um, and you see and witness and, and, and physically feel their their pain uh it's just you know he was going through that period he really was um he was really banged up uh, but he worked through it he was in an important spot 
um, at this point what we're getting ready to talk about at some point. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I mean, and you look at his stuff, you look at his background. He, he, he wasn't easy on the body either. Sure. So, oh, no, no. Yeah. He did a lot. Hell that's a lot what of brought me to, yeah. And that's what brought me to the Randy Orton thing. You know, yeah. it's two different styles, two different styles. Eddie laid it all out there. Man. That he, sure. That's just the way his style was. Yeah. So one quick thing, and then we'll get to, to the match with, with uh, Brock, but Ric Flair said in an interview, I saw this online and I want to bring this up to you that Ric Flair ranked Guerrero is one of his top 10 opponents. While Chris Jericho said that he was the best performer in the world when he was quote on um, Kurt Angle also named Guerrero as his second greatest professional, the second greatest professional wrestler of all time behind Shawn Michaels. So I said that to be three of the, with being Flair, Jericho and Angle. Three of the better, the best wrestlers, pure wrestlers of all time. And, you know, Guerrero and Angle go back to WrestleMania 20. They're a great match there. Uh, that's going to be shortly after this, where Eddie will actually beat Angle with some lying and cheating steel. If you remember that with the boot. That yes, was, when the boot came off. But he's just sold it. But, yeah, yeah it's just unreal, man. Where <laughs> I'm so many he gets so overlooked sometimes everybody wants to talk about your mount rushmore's of wrestling of pure wrestlers of you know latinos of whatever eddie's got to be up there on all of them right i mean i, I he's a mount rushmore of mine to work yeah. with with without a doubt i mean eddie was special and he he only didn't attract to his own um his own people per se mm-hmm. he attracted to everybody i mean he did and that's what made him so globally attractive in so many different ways. But yeah, I mean, he is the Mount Rushmore. That's why you're hearing the, the names you said put him over so huge because that's what it meant for them. Mm-hmm. All right. So with that being said, let's go over to this match that we were going to talk about that you were involved with. It was uh, the 2004 No Way Out, like I mentioned. February 15th, 2004 from Daly City, California, the famous Cow Palace. So how, you know, we just talked about Poughkeepsie, the Mid-Hudson Civic Center being an iconic building for WWE, ECW, TNA. The list is long. How impactful was it for you to go into a, a place like a cow palace of having guys like Pat Patterson being out there, Rowdy Piper, just making names for themselves in this building? It, it was awesome. I was, I was extremely excited about this um, to be – Somewhere where I could say, yeah, I was there. I, yeah. I went to that building. I worked that building. Um, and I do that a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm really, you know, mind boggled sometimes and just wow of how many places I've been to that are really famous and really something that are nostalgic. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that being one of them. I mean, that's a nostalgic building. I mean, there's there's a lot of history and a lot of memories that were made in that building, which made that that night all together just really, really special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it's right before 11,000 fans. So uh, uh, for this this era, you know, a lot of people will, will be in a matter of a number of months, will be at Madison Square Garden for WrestleMania 20 before probably more than double this. And yeah. it's just such an intimate venue because it's just everybody's right there. It's not a bad seat in the house. Well, the thing is, you have to remember this. Okay, so I'm going to go back and stress this. So this is where 
once again, I hate to be redundant, but this is where in the time where SmackDown was on its own, they really were. We weren't cross promoting. We weren't, we weren't sending talent here and there. Our talent was our talent. Their talent was their talent. The draft was legit. I mean, as far as like, meaning they would do what they wanted to do writer wise, who they wanted to move. I'm not saying it was a straight shoot draft. I'm, what I'm saying is they did a draft and that was where you went. That's where you stayed unless you were drafted again the next year, you know what I mean? To the back to the show that you were on previously. So this was a legit 100%, which made Eddie and Brock so proud. One of our first standalone pay-per-views and we sold it out and they mm -hmm. were so excited. Our whole roster was, we were like, in a way we were like, yay, we did it. Like Raw's doing it. Yes. Because Raw was the stronger show at that point. Mm -hmm. They had the higher talent or bigger stars per se, sure. where we were a younger crew. We were bringing in younger people. We were just, it was kind of like we were the, the training ground. We weren't in NXT and nowhere near that. It right, right. We just had younger talent that were up and coming. So, and then we had a mix of our, our, our superstars that we named earlier in the show, mm -hmm. Undertaker, um, Jericho was on there for a while, Kurt Angle, you know, your established guys that were on there, Rikishi. Um, so this was a huge, huge moment for Eddie and Brock. This was huge. Um, and they really embraced it. It was, it was just a big moment for our show and our, our team per se, our, our, the, the blue color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so to give a little backstory to this match, um, they did a 15-man Royal Rumble-style match on January the 29th episode of SmackDown. Eddie would then earn would win it, earning their right to face the WWE champion at No Way Out against the champion Brock Lesnar. Uh, obviously, the outside storyline at this time is... Lesnar and Goldberg starting their feud pretty much here at Royal Rumble in January and kind of building that to Brock of SmackDown. Like you said, two different brands more so then than now, obviously, you know, Goldberg was raw Lesnar was SmackDown. They're going to come and head, head to head at this time. Was there any scuttlebutt that you heard? Hey, cause we know what ended up happening. Lesnar will go trial for the Vikings. Just missed the team. He was leaving. Was there any scuttlebutt going into this match? Because obviously this Goldberg and Lesnar would happen at WrestleMania 20. Did you hear, was there any rumblings about that backstage previous to the, during this time? I mean, there, there, there were rumblings after each draft that we, 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 we felt like we kind of got shitted on, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. we didn't, we didn't, it wasn't a fair draft. So they would take a guy, I remember when Jericho left us, like and we were all, we lost Jericho, we lost Edge and we lost Christian all in one draft. Yeah. And that was huge. Um, we did get the Dudley boys back, mm -hmm. which was huge for us. Um, and I remember, you know, I remember, I just remember people not being happy with the way things were working out because it wasn't done fairly in a way. So, yeah, there were rumblings. Of course, there, there's always going to be rumblings. And is there any, anything ever really fair? To us, it was. Like, there could be a fair way of doing it. But obviously, people, when you look back, it may, maybe it was fair. I don't know. It just it just seemed like it was always they, they were all wanted to take, 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 take because they wanted to be that premium A show and wanted us to be mm -hmm. the B show. Mm -hmm. And that's that, that's why we – I mean, it was competitive. I mean, it was competitive. I mean, we always see, all loved each other. We were all on the same team overall. 
but we cared about the brand and the product we were on. Now, do you remember Lesnar going to, he's two months out of here from leaving the company, going to the Vikings, trying out for the NFL. Do you remember at any point that obviously I'm not saying I know Brock personally, but he just seems like a private guy. He's not really going to say a lot. Was he ever uh, like, did you see ever an inclination that, Hey, he's not happy. He's leaving. Or was he just all business? Well, no, I, I, I could tell you exactly how it happened. Now, how, how many other people were in, on the end, I would assume Vince was, and you you know, uh, Shane and Stephanie and Hunter, I, I'm assuming all of them were, but we had had a talent meeting that day. Um, and we were talking about this, 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 whatever the subject may be. What it was, I have no idea. I believe it was about, um, to be honest with you, they were getting sick of people leaking shit to the dirt sheets. Yeah. So we were done with that meeting and Brock asked, could he talk? Which is not not normal. And he got up and he told everybody he was leaving and what he was doing and everything. So he told everybody at one time. So we all knew mm-hmm. after that meeting that Brock was not going to be there long. He was going to finish out a program and he was going to leave and go try out for the Minnesota Vikings. So we all knew this at one time. Now, sure. okay. I, that some people may have known before, you know, obviously they did, or, yeah. uh, you, or they wouldn't have let him just stand up and say that. I don't think he caught everybody off guard like that. Sure, sure. Uh, but yeah, but that, that that's how that went down. Uh, so, yes. Yeah. So that probably had to be around this time because we're talking February of 04 for this. And obviously by probably the spring, he'd be gone and obviously training for the Vikings to get to their probably to their mini camp. But yeah. Uh, so did you have any, uh, obviously this whole Goldberg uh, involvement with this match, were you pretty much just talking stuff over with Eddie and Brock or was Lesnar, or no, excuse me, was uh, Goldberg involved with this and, Hey, I want to know this kind of stuff. What's going on. Or was he just all business? Hey, this is my spot. This is when I'm coming out. Be prepared. No, no, this, this was strictly between Brock and Eddie mm-hmm. at that point in time. Like I said, they, Brock did a nice job of, 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 of leaving properly and that kind of thing. In my opinion, um, I'm sure the higher ups like Vince Man and all of them were not happy that he was leaving because he was such a hot commodity, but no, this was, this was them being, having that pride and wanted to do what they wanted to do for SmackDown. Mm-hmm. So obviously the bill for this match uh, being Lesnar and Guerrero, that is. Uh, SmackDown, this is when SmackDown was hot, man. This was 2003, 2004 was when I was really, I was about freshman, sophomore in, in, in college. And I was legitimately, every time SmackDown came to Buffalo, man, I was there, man. I was catching yeah. the train from, from school, going, taking the train all the way down. And I wasn't missing a show when SmackDown, because I loved the roster then. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Do you remember how the name SmackDown originated? I'm sure you do. It was from The Rock, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He was on the show first. <laughs> yeah. It was actually his show, basically. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's got a lot of history. That might be something for down the road, too. Yeah. Because I remember, actually, I remember watching one of the first episodes because they debuted in 99, I believe. And uh, I still remember, I, it was one of the first ones, if not the first one, I was at the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York with my dad and my brother. And we were in the hotel before we, you know, after a day of going to the Hall of Fame and we're sitting there 
and turning the TV. I think it was, was it you, I believe it was UPN at that time. No, yeah, yeah. That went on there for a while. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, what the hell is this? I'm like, oh, it's SmackDown. I'm like, oh, well, there's the rock. I think it was rock. Big show was there. Dudley's were there. Uh, I think occasionally, I think it was Austin was there, but yeah, it was just unbelievable at that time. Basically from 99, it kind of caught steam right around, you know, when they brought in WCW guys, when they bought the company and put them in about 2001 to, to about 2004, 2005 was the half time. Um, but this program, man, it's a lot of build to it. You know, Lesnar, it's one of those things where I don't necessarily like the idea of using, you know, race or uh, Guerrero being Latino, calling him Mexican, whatever the case may be. I don't necessarily like how they involve that a lot of the times in professional wrestling. I get where they're trying to live up to that heel character because Eddie at this time is a face, I believe. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. Did did you ever really, did you like the build to this match? I did. I, I really did. Um, touching back on the Latino thing though, just, sure. just so you know, um, I, I remember this because I was friends with the guy who was involved in this, not a need to mention the name because most wrestling fans are probably not going to know who it is anyway, but anyway, sure. so they were doing a lot of research, um, picking up who was watching and where they were watching from. And Eddie was a huge draw for that Latino audience. Um, and it was in some big, huge markets, huge markets. So a lot of that played into the fact of this is going to be the guy because this guy's bringing in ratings. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I know that people say, well, you know, I don't want it to be about race. I don't want to be about that. But I mean, it, it wasn't. It was about ratings. It wasn't what he sure. was or wasn't. It's what he what he was doing to multiple cultures of, of people. So it made sense to want to lean towards putting the belt on on, on Eddie at this time. Yeah. You know, and, and then they, they also play up um, in Eddie's in Eddie's promo. Into, I just absolutely love there's not there's nothing beats an Eddie promo. You no. go back and watch a lot of this stuff, whether he's a face, whether he's a heel, it doesn't matter to me. But he brings up a lot of the his past with his his past addictions. Did you, to your knowledge, did you have any idea if Eddie really had an issue with with bringing that back up, or was it basically, hey, the past is the past. Who cares a shit? Let's use it. I knew I had a little, I had a little. Um knowledge of that yes yeah okay i did it, uh, he had some demons yeah um i think we all have demons um sure. i just you know yes i i knew there were some issues with that yes obviously yeah but did you did you you think he had an issue with actually making it a part of the storyline here with with brock i i don't think so no i, I at this time i also remember because like i said I, I did a little traveling with eddie and, and eddie was clean yeah. Um, of everything. So no, I don't. I, this is when Eddie was like you. You quoted Jericho as saying when he was on, there was nobody better. Mm-hmm. This is when he was on, mm-hmm. and that's and what it, made this match so special. And it showed, especially in this match. And it's just and it shows because this crowd is so 
heavily into and in favor of Eddie from the beginning of it to the middle to the end. Yes. But the one thing I did see, I don't know if you caught it when you're, it may not, you may not remember, but when I watched it back a couple of times, you could just see that it seemed like they're on their hands. They're sitting on their hands during they this were. match. Well, nobody believed that Eddie was going to go over. I mean, yeah. really, that's the way they built it. It was awesome. I mean, Eddie was believable to maybe possibly win it, but nobody believed it because nobody knew that Brock was leaving either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, in the outside world. And nobody could beat this animal, this big son bitch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, nobody could do it. So why would Eddie be able to do it? Eddie sure. wasn't a big guy. Eddie wasn't a big guy. He was just a big character. Mm-hmm. So that was a unique situation with that matchup as well. So, you know, I, I, I think it was done very, 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 very well. And I think that's why this crowd really was just screaming for it. Because like I said, he was ratings in this in this particular area while we did it in this particular building was because the numbers showed and supported Eddie Guerrero when he was on TV for our show. Do you remember if, if Brock or even Eddie too, when, when it's all said and done, the dust is settled, Eddie's champion. Did they ever say anything that they had an issue with this crowd? Because they did, they, like I said, they, you said they were sitting on their hands. They didn't know, they didn't fully invest until, till the end. No, I, I think they thought uh, everybody was happy with the crowd. Sure. Really. Sure. Um, it was, the crowd was hot all night. Mm-hmm. Um, it got even hotter at the main event, which is very, very special. You, you, you've been pay-per-views mm-hmm. and you've been to the last one we just did. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to keep, you know, people fully invested because you've got to really just kind of get it rolling. you got to roll through it to where they're not tired of what's going on and waiting for the next one. You know, it, mm-hmm. it just happens. It's, oh my God, now they're going into this match. Oh my God, this is awesome. I want to see this match too. And then you go into another one and then go into another one and all of a sudden, it's main event time. And it's like, oh shit, here we go. You know, that's, that's the way you want to build a pay-per-view. And I think that's the way we did it. Yeah. No, you know, Eddie's worked with literally everybody at this time in 04. He's worked with Ray. He's worked with big show. He's worked with Taker. He's worked with this guy. He worked with that guy. He hasn't really had a lot of history with Brock. Did he enjoy working with a guy like Brock, a big, probably legitimately one of the strongest guys at this time or even ever in the business. Um, well, did Eddie did Eddie enjoy working with him? Well, believe it or not, more so did Eddie enjoy working with him. I think Brock enjoyed working with him. I do. Yeah, yeah. they had fun. Um, yeah, I do. I, the only thing is, I think, and this is my opinion. I don't know mm-hmm. this to be factual. Um, sure. I think that there was a lot of pressure on Brock to work with Eddie because of the fact that Eddie was the the, the, the grizzled veteran, where he wasn't. And he knew it was time to step up his game, which he did. And Brock yeah. will always. That's just Brock, Brock's a competitor. Brock's an athlete. You know what I mean? So you're not going to take that away. But what I'm saying is, I think this was something that he looked forward to. Because I mean, I, I remember talking to Brock. And Brock was just like, Eddie's going to be fun. This is going to be really fun. Mm-hmm. But, geez, I got to get my shit together. Got to really get my shit together. Like, you know, because Eddie was a hothead, too. And things didn't sure. go his way, which I've seen him go backstage and really just throw chairs and go crazy. And just because it wasn't what Eddie Guerrero expectations are, mm-hmm. you know, and that, 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 that sometimes can lead to people having pressure working with them. Mm-hmm. So we see a lot of agents at this time, whether I think what was a probably Pat was, was Pat on SmackDown as a producer? Pat? Pat? Yeah. 
Oh yes, absolutely, yes, absolutely. Was was he involved with this one, or was or was it pretty much was it all on Brock and Eddie? Actually, Johnny Ace had this match. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, Johnny Ace had this match, and I think him man actually, um, golly, Michael Hayes, both were kind of together in it. Sure. But Johnny was the lead producer for this show. I mean, for this um, for this match. Because mm-hmm. uh, I do remember going in the back, and it was Johnny who we were with all day. So, and, and, and you know, Michael would get in there too, and just you know, kind of like throw things in. Once again, it was a match that they really cared about. Mm-hmm. Now you have to remember, um, Michael Hayes was the was basically a Raw guy, mm-hmm. uh, big time. Uh, he cared about Raw a lot. That was like his baby. And Johnny was the SmackDown guy. So mm-hmm. I think it was just a combination of both of them together. And mm-hmm. just putting it together, but the lead agent on this was actually Johnny Ace. Yeah. So how, how much did you be? Uh, you, you mentioned you're pretty much with them all day. Uh, how much involvement were, were they talking all day about stuff, or were they? Because I, I couldn't remember. It was Eddie more of like a "Hey, we'll call it in the ring" kind of guy, or "Hey, we're writing it down" kind of like a Randy Savage kind of thing. Hey, we're writing this spot, this spot, this spot. We're gonna do it, or we're doing it in the ring. No, Eddie was a guy, and Brock had no problem with it, but Eddie was a guy who says, I'll let you know when I'm ready to go over this. Mm-hmm. So he had to get settled in. He had to eat. He had to just get his brain straight. Um, he had to get his body and mentally, physically ready to talk and bang it out, if sure. that makes sense. Sure. Uh, and Brock's fine with that. Brock can swing with the punches. And, and, and Brock was never a guy that wanted to sit in a room all day anyway. I mean, he was a hyper guy with a lot of energy. So he's not the kind of guy that wants to sit in there and just sit all day long and just talk, 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 talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I only remember one time that that had to be done with him. But other than that, he was not that kind of guy. So the way it worked with Eddie was that once he was ready to go, he would he would let me know or he would tell Johnny and Johnny would tell me and get Brock or whatever it was. And we'd go to the ring and we'd go over what Eddie felt we needed to go over. And then you're right. A lot of it, he would want to just – you get the heat on me and we'll, we'll figure it out from there to get to this point, you know, like that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So we'll fast forward a little bit, their introdu- introductions. Uh, one thing I did notice too, before we get to that is just this in ring shape that Eddie and Brock are both in at this time. They're just so well conditioned, man. I don't think at this time there was really anybody beating their conditioning in the ring because as you know there's two differences there's in ring conditioning and there's outer ring conditioning it's totally different absolutely i'll tell you and this is this is true too um i've known some of the biggest cardio guys in the world i'm talking about just go to the gym and they just do cardio and they mm-hmm. don't even lift the weight um and they're just physically gifted by the body wise and all they do is cardio well there, there, there's no comparison to being in cardio shape at a gym and in ring shape Sure. It's totally two different things, totally two different things. And I understand that as well. I am in ring shape cardio wise, but I can tell you right now, if I get on a treadmill, I'm going to fall the fuck out. Yeah. Um, it's totally different because I'm able to get my breath. Now, can you imagine if you're one of the guys and you're, you're in that ring and you're having to run the ropes here, there, 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 and then all of a sudden you get a rest uh, and then you're back at it again. I mean, it's just, a, it's totally different. There's, you can't compare cardio and, and, and ring shape cardio. It's just, it's not comparable. 
Yeah, it's like, it's like in ring is like a lot of start and stop and all that stuff. You got to do this, you got to do that. Absolutely. You got spot here, spot there. Uh, but one other thing I did notice too as well was the whole the bloody nose that Brock got here. Do you remember what happened with that? I think it was you know Cole selling it that oh Brock's might have broken his nose when he hit that turnbuckle. Was that I, I legitimate? No, it was legitimate. It was not designed. I, I really think it was the flipper that Eddie threw before okay. the turnbuckle. Okay. And I, and once again, I don't know that to be factual because, you know, all of a sudden you just see blood. You don't really know where it came from. I mean, that happened sure. this weekend. And all of a sudden I see somebody bleeding out the side of their head this weekend. I mean, I have no clue where it came from or when it happened. Sure. I can only assess where I think it happened because he even asked me, like, where did this happen? You remember? And I'm like, I assuming when you went to the outside and hit the floor, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, that's what, what it was. It was one of those sure. ones where it's like, oops, oh, he's bleeding. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, right. So we we get to this transition. They're coming out their entrances, that all good stuff. You know, just solid back and forth. Lesnar, he's building up on his strength. Eddie's the f- speed you know, playing a factor against Lesnar, even though Lesnar's got some good speed too. Eddie's just a little bit faster. Well, Brock is very fast. Once again, yeah. he might be one of the most athletic, I mean, athletically talented guys I've ever been in the ring with. I'm talking about just natural strength, speed, agility, um, just a very exceptional guy. You're not going to find him in, in, in a long, long, long time. Bobby Lashley is very comparative to him, in my opinion, as far as that goes. Sure. Eddie was very fast, very fast, like your um, fastest guy in the NFL type of thing, just very fast, um, but very methodical as well. I like the way he worked. Um, a mat technician, just uh, just totally different than Brock. Not a power guy, nothing. I mean, so it was really just two guys that were just totally opposite, trying to make this mesh and make a good match on it. So the lead up to, we'll get to it in a little bit. That ref bump that you took off the F five from Le- or from Lesnar. Um, build up to that. Was there any talks in this ring? Hey, this is going to be this spot, this spot, that spot, or? Did you just say, hey, okay, this is going to be the bump and this is going to be the finish? Was there anything in between, you know, opening bell to that bump that you remember that, hey, this is going to be that spot? Well, no, the, the way it worked with them, which, you know, I was very lucky. They let me come up with the bump spot. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of guys did during this time. I mean, they really did. It was just like, you know, we can't come up with anything unless they had something in their own minds that they thought about previously. Because a lot of this time, you know, it was called on the spot. Well, we need a ref bump. Hebner figured it out. And it's like, okay, cool, no problem. When do you want it? Where do you want it? So I had to figure out the placement for it. And then I would figure it out. And they'd go, that's fine. As long as, you, as long as you're good with it. So that's how that worked. So, and I knew they were trying to swerve there uh, and wanted to really sell the fact, you know, of what they were doing at that point. So mm-hmm. what I did was I set it up to where it wasn't something deadly, you know, where I had to be laid out all night. And it was something that, that had to be snug, but not just not like a clothesline 360 kind of thing. Just a, you know, just a good, solid bump. Yeah. Now, is there how do you how do you know or is it just a banner of instinct because you've been doing it for so long? How do you know when it's the right time to, 
you know, come back. Okay. You get knocked out. You have that. I think you've basically signature. That's your signature. That whole kind of flip kind of thing. Yes. Because if you, in my research that I've done a bunch of bumps that you've taken, it's been very similar to about the same thing. Uh, as far as outside of the turnbuckle one, of course. Um, how do you know it's the right time? I've always wanted to know. And if it's going to tear down a wall, I don't want to do that, but uh, how do you know it's the right time to come back from that bump? Well, you have to figure out what's happening after that and what they want to put in for the reason for the bump. Sure. So there's a, re- there's a reason why I'm taking a bump, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I have to figure out what's after that in order to mm-hmm. figure out what bump to take. Okay. Does that make sense? So in other words, yeah, if, you're yeah, nut, if you're going to do a nut shot, and that's all yeah. I'm missing. And there's no sense in me taking a clothesline and 316 over, you know, there's no sense in me doing all that because I'm dead. Yeah. If you just want me to get hit in the head with a, with your foot as you're doing the five, mm-hmm. well, that just hits me in the head, knocks me down for a second or two, lets them do what they got to do. Mm-hmm. And you have to figure out the spacing of what they want to do while you're down. That's that's mm-hmm. the reason for the ref ball. So you just have to figure out what you're doing after that or what they want you to do while you're not there. Hmm. So that, that next spot, okay, I think that was perfectly placed, to be honest with you, because we'd see Goldberg come out, Spear Lesnar, Eddie would come in and uh, take advantage of it and try to pin him. You'd come to one, two, kick out. So now it's like, you know, Eddie's, well, what the fuck am I going to do? He brings the belt in, you know, Lesnar goes for this F5 again, DDT under the title. And then up top, he goes five star frog splash. Bing, bing, boom. One, two, three. Obviously I'm, you know, <laughs> not doing it justice, oh. obviously, but. No, no, no. Yeah, no, no. It was a great finish. It was a great yeah. finish. And, it was and boom, boom, boom. It was, and it was layered perfectly because of the fact that you're trying to get two stories out of one. Mm-hmm. So what people are coming out of this thinking is that Goldberg made Brock lose his title. Sure. But you're also saying, oh my gosh, one of the biggest stars that we have beat another biggest star that we have. And he wasn't supposed to do this because he wasn't the man sure. that Brock Lesnar was. So we were trying to put two stories together to make one and it worked perfect. It worked perfect. It was a, it was a perfect storm and the way it was laid out, which Johnny Laronice did a great job. Uh, of, of putting this together. And I'm sure Eddie and, and both Brock had a, a lot of feedback and, and, and a lot of give to this match to put it where, to, you know, to, to, to step it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just done magically. I thought it worked. I thought it was one of the final finishes I've seen the way it was done. I really do. I think it was just really done really well. And I, I, I can't believe somebody has not done it over again. <laughs> I just can't believe it. And cause right. I, if they, if I haven't seen it. Yeah. So, we get this huge, huge pop. One of the biggest ones I've ever heard. Massive, massive. How, how was it live? When you're in the ring, you're counting the one, two, three. Have you heard a bigger pop or anything that comes close to it? I mean, yeah. I mean, I have. I mean, it was good though. It was. It's. It's. It's definitely rankable. Right. Um, but, but I can tell you right now, when um, WrestleMania 19, when Hogan came out and in, in, in Seattle. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't even know what to do with that one. That, that, mm-hmm. that, it, it was deafening. And they were talking to me in my earpiece, and I could hear nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was deafening. Um, that, that obviously, that, and, you know, and a few others I can name, but I don't want to waste 
stuff. But sure. But yeah, I mean that that was you know just something incredible. This was not far behind that. I mean, I'm right. serious. This was, I mean, like you said, people were just standing up. They waited. I mean, they, they didn't want to sit down, and it was loud. It was very loud. And that place right there too. The what do you call it? The uh, the sound anyway. It's just it, it, it carried up. Yeah. Uh, which means like you you hear it all through your body, and it just goes up, 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 and it gets louder. It's it's sure. it's it was really incredible. Really incredible. Yes. One of the, one of the loudest pops. Yes. That I've heard, not the loudest, but it is, right. it was, it was massive. So this obviously would be his first and only reign as heavyweight champion. He, you gotta be thinking, you know, he's not 2005. Obviously he passed, like as we said in November of uh, 05, he's got, he's, he would have to be winning more titles after that. Or was he, or was he pretty much, happy with being that guy that would be that mid the mid card tag team guy winning those titles instead of the big one no he was he was fine with it um eddie eddie never was a complainer um like i said there's times where eddie would 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 not want to do things they wanted him to do um mm. that would elevate him uh he eddie was just very particular about what he was and what he felt he was to to, to the fans mm-hmm. but no he would he would he would take that 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 tag you know, program and make it the best he could only the way that Eddie could. And that's just the way he was. So before we, we got a couple of listeners question before that, I just want to get to one other thing and we'll get to that. End of the day, Eddie Guerrero's legacy, one of the best of all time, justly. So do you think he'd be happy with the business the way it is today? No, you don't think so. I do not. I think that Eddie would like it but not love it. I think he would, I think he would, I think you'd have a hard time getting by. Like some people just have to have to go with it. And like, sure. that's me. Um, I just think that the, the, the current style that's used is not something that he would be particularly all happy about in my opinion, you know? And what I'm talking about is the crash and burn, crash and burn, no cells, no cells. Everybody kicks out of everybody's finish. Um, that kind of stuff. I, I just don't think that's Eddie Guerrero. You'd be, be a little bit more of a realistic type of, of wrestling. Correct. Um, so that leads into one of our questions from our uh, loyal listener here, Brad Stanton. He says, um, how do you think Eddie would have felt about Logan Paul hitting the three amigos on Rey Mysterio there at uh, their program there they had in WWE recently? I, I think he would have laughed. I think he would have laughed uh, because it got huge heat. I mean, yeah. huge. And Eddie would have been proud of that. He was probably looking down and saying, this is fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. This is fucking cool. Logan Paul stealing my shit, getting heat. And it worked. You know what I mean? I, Eddie wasn't that guy. Eddie would, he would not, yeah, he would have been fine with that. He would have laughed and just probably just, if he were alive, he probably would have been called and asked permission or would have worked there already sure. and asked permission and he would have gladly said yes, yes. Yeah, Especially in the moment. It- oh, yeah. Because And we see a lot of guys, you know, Santana or Ortiz over there with AEW. They do, they've done that a few times with the three amigos. So I, I think it's more of a kind of pay homage to him at, at, at this point anyways. Obviously, if he was still here, it would be a whole different story. But regardless, um, last question comes from Sarah Walker, or probably one or two women listeners that we have. Yes. Um, we got one. We got one. 
Um, she says, besides this No Way Out pay-per-view match, which what is one of your favorite matches that you were a part of? With Eddie? In, with Eddie or in general? Give me one of each. Uh, I mean, there, it's just, it, it, the list is too long, and I'm not trying to be vague. It, it's right. too long. I have so many great matches I was been blessed to be a part of. Um, so since we're talking about Eddie, um, I'll, I'll, I'll just say that I, I have a hard time not loving the Eddie Guerrero JBL match that I was part of. Mm. I think we're going to be going over that pretty soon too, within the next few months as we we're going to talk about JBL. So I think we're going to be going over that again. And I can't wait. I cannot yeah. wait. Um, yeah. That was, that's definitely something that's very special to me. Very, very special. To me. Cause that was the, um, I wanted, that was in at, uh, LA again, right? Yes. LA. Yeah. Yes. Plus. Yeah. Cause I think was that, that, that was another sellout. Out. Yeah, because that was a bloodbath one, right? Oh my gosh! Yes, <laughs> and, and, and we will dig into that. Yeah, big time. But no, I, I'll tell you something off air. I got a story about JBL. I had. I, I'll tell you after. But I we're behind anyways. But anyways, uh, next week, first and foremost, thank you guys for tuning in this week. Well, you know we're doing a lot big numbers, man. And I, I don't, I hate to put it out there, but a lot of people listen. So we appreciate each and every one of you listening uh, to the show. A lot of good stuff coming down the pipeline as well. But next week, uh, Brian, we're going to be going over the rock. Uh, a guy that you actually, you're, I'm pretty sure it was your one and only match that you refed on raw. Oh, um, no, one. Well, I had a couple matches on raw, but this was my first official raw match ever. And I'll tell everyone next week how this came to fruitation, sure. um, who it was against, where it was at, um, and how I felt leading up to this because this was a huge moment in my career. It's going to be pretty interesting. It's going to be pretty fun to dig into and, and get to as well. Yeah. So, guys, you can hit us up on uh, on the Twitter gimmick at Roughing It Up or at Baby Hebner, uh, or you can just simply go over to uh, castby.com slash roughing it up. All our links are there for all the platforms we're on. Uh, Brian, you got anything before we close up shop for this episode? I actually do. I want you to do your homework real quick because I know you're quick on your phone. I want you to find the week of Slammiversary for Impact Wrestling. I want the date. Slammiversary of, uh, obviously this year. Yes, was, and I'm going to yeah. surprise you as well with something that we're going to talk about, and I'm going to change up your whole schedule that you've laid out. Uh-oh, uh-oh. So, Slammiversary for Impact Wrestling is June 19th from Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. That Wednesday is what? Oh, see, now you're going to make me close that app out and grab this one. You're killing me. Um, okay, we're going to do this. What did I say, June? June 19th. June 19th, yep. Yeah, June 19th is a Sunday. That's a Sunday, 19th. The 15th would be that Wednesday. Okay, so I just want to say this, and we're going to work with this as best we can. I know I'm throwing you a loop here, but that podcast on that Wednesday, June 15th. Sure. I have a major announcement to make dealing with my career. Okay. And we're going to dedicate that podcast to me. Okay. And we're going to talk about some things on there. And there's going to be some information I'm going to release uh, of my career and let everyone know what's going to happen with me. And we're going to talk about it on my podcast first. 
sure. before I make any announcements. And it's going to be the week of Slammiversary. So it'll be the 15th of June. So put it in your phones now. Put it in your calendars, on your calendars, you're hanging on your fridge. Put it on your BlackBerry, whatever you want to put it on. Put it on everything. But that's right. Why not? So I'm sorry people, people. I threw you curveball. I'm sorry. No, but that's I like fine. To, I like to keep you guessing too. Well, and that's, um, that, that's half the fun, you know. Well, I'll inform you on what's going on as well at some point. Sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna treat you like everybody else, and I'll tell you when I'm ready. I like I, I like surprises too. Like you surprised <laughs> me. Like you surprised me this weekend with a couple of the matches too. So there I always go. I always like a few of them. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. And I'm so glad Gavin had so much fun. I know that people that are listening probably don't care, but yeah. his son was just awesome and just had a great time. And yeah. Durley was just, you could just see that sure. the kid was so happy. And that makes me happy. And so uh, I, I just loved it. And so excited for him. So it was awesome. What you got he's already, there? He's already got my, he's on my background. Oh, there, there you go. On my phone. Awesome. Oh, that's the photo we took. Yeah. So for those of you who kind of peek behind the curtain, we, we, we got there a little bit earlier and, uh, Gavin had a photo op on the ramp for rebellion. So he he's absolutely still talking about it. So it's basically made his day and I'm glad uh, you could be a part of it too, Brian. So really appreciate that. All right. And then um, one more thing, I'm sorry. And I'm sure. hoping you know the answer because I know the name. I just don't know completely our new opening. Hopefully that you all enjoy yes. today. Um, it- AJ McKay. AJ McKay, you can uh, follow him across. You can go to his website because he has all his links right there. It is ajmckaycreative.com. What I'll do, Brian, is I'll put from here on out because it's an absolutely fantastic intro. Uh, we give him all the props in the world. I put it, should, probably should have put it in the notes and said it at the beginning, but I'm glad you reminded me. Uh, check out his, the link will be in the show notes here. Check him out absolutely phenomenal guy does great me, work and let me just say this and i'm not bragging but i'm just gonna tell you right now this is the baddest ass opening of any podcast and i'm gonna say it flat out this dude is freaking amazing if you watch tv you obviously watch commercials if you notice what he does on our opening you hear him on everything this guy mm-hmm. is everything everywhere mm-hmm. he's absolutely amazing and i want to thank him so so much because this really helps us sound really good and, and and that's what it's about we want y'all to be happy feel like you're listening to something good and 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 we feel like we're doing that and this guy helped us out tremendously and i'm so 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 thrilled that he's on board with reffing it up um so awesome stuff if you don't know about it tell everybody about it tell everybody about it just tell them to listen to the opening if they don't listen to nothing else that's fine whatever <laughs> uh, well, but, I, but I, no. I hope they listen to something else other than the opening well, that's but... gonna make them listen that's gonna make them listen. there you go no, but, but yeah. Uh, it, you. And once again, you can follow me at, at Baby Hebner on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, my next show will be in Kissimmee, Florida. Um, I don't know the date. I never do, always. Uh, <laughs> so put together here. Um, really getting ready to go to bed as soon as we're done. So there you go. thank you guys well, so, so much. Appreciate it. Well, you had a long weekend, though, Brian. You, you deserve a little R&R. <laughs> I do. All right, guys, we'll see you next week right here on Roughing It Up with Brian Hebner. One, two, three.